All right, so tonight we're, we're starting a new series for the rest of the quarter, and it's called No Other Gods. And we get that phrase from the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's it's it, the phrase, no other gods. So how many of you know the Ten Commandments by heart, would you say? I'm just curious. Not very many. Interesting. Okay. Well, we could work on that. Um, the, the only reason I do is because of a little song that I sang as a child. That those things have a way of sticking in your head. So the seventh commandment in my mind will always be, don't be a louse, be faithful to your spouse, which is do not commit adultery. So it's just... It really sticks with you. It's really helped me in my marriage to be able to remember that, you know? <laughs> so it, um, I, well, well, I'm going to start off tonight by looking at the, the first commandment in the Ten Commandments. And I want to just say something about what the Ten Commandments are, because they're often misunderstood. A lot of times um, when we think about the Ten Commandments, we think it's maybe like ten ways to be perfect, ten, or, or, or ways to earn God's favor for you. Uh, if you could just keep these 10 things, then you, would be, then you would live a perfect life. It's God's ultimate standard. But actually, I, I know for a fact that's not how they were meant to be read. Um, because I, I know that for a few reasons. First of all, I know they can't be God's ultimate standard because there's so much that's not in the Ten Commandments. That, you know, they, they cover don't murder, but is it okay to just injure someone real bad? Um, <laughs> It's not covered. So um, they, they can't be the 10 worst sins in the world because it talks about do not covet, but like don't covet your neighbor's house, but wouldn't it be worse to like burn his house down? <laughs> I think so. So I don't think coveting is like the worst, the worst sin. Um, what it is, um, they're not instructions for earning God's favor. God's favor can't be earned. It can never be earned by things we do. Um, and I know that because of the first line of the Ten Commandments, which is often skipped when it wasn't in the song, actually, that I learned as a child. So the Ten Commandments start like this. Uh, in Exodus 20, verse 1, it says, And God spoke all these words, uh, I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, from the place of your slavery. And so if we pause there before we get to the command parts, uh, we know that God is this, is, this is the groundwork God is laying before he gives his commands. He's saying, I already rescued you. I already saved you, if you want to put it in like New Testament terms. I already saved you, and now I'm giving you these commandments. So he's not telling you, he's not telling his people, this is how you earn the right to be rescued, uh, if you could just be good enough. He's saying, I already rescued you because I loved you, not because you were good. Um, and this is, this is a covenant that I am making with you. This, I, he, God says, I am going to be faithful to you. I rescued you because I love you. I will sustain you. I will never leave you. I will be your God. And I want you to be faithful to me. And this is part of what that looks like, as I'm going to lay out. Here's what it looks like to be faithful to the God who rescued you. So I think that's just important groundwork. And I want, we're going to look at the first commandment, okay? So starting in verse 3 of Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be all over the scripture tonight. So you feel free to flip around in your Bible, but I also have them all on the screen for you if that just feels like a lot of work at the end of the week. Boy, we are. <laughs> we're getting pretty lazy if that's true. But um, Okay, Exodus 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heavens, or the earth, or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. First commandment, no other gods. No other gods and keep away from idols. God's first commandment for his people, the first way to, to be faithful to the God who saved you, 
is to keep away from idols. And I actually, as I was reading, you know, commentaries on these passages and stuff, a lot of theologians argued, I think really persuasively, that as you read the whole Bible, you'll find under the undercurrent of everything, really one of the foundational messages of Scripture is the rejection of idols and the turning to God. And when you think about idols, uh, you probably imagine things made of gold or, or wood or stone or whatever, things that people worship and bow down to. Uh, it's something that represents another god that they worship. And that's true. And you might think of idols as maybe a thing of, of ancient cultures or at least different cultures from here. Um, but actually, I would argue that's not the case. I would, I would argue tonight that anything can be an idol. That it doesn't just have to be a statue or something that's represented by an image. And I know this not because it's just an idea that I made up, but because I found it in the scripture too. So um, there's, a few, there's a few places in Scripture that I see this happening. The, 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 the idea of idolatry is used not for just like a statue that you bow down to, um, but even in ancient times, in ancient cultures where that thing was common, there were also other ways that they thought about idols. So a couple examples of that. Um, in Ezekiel 14.3 in the Old Testament, God, uh, the, the, the leaders of God's people come to Ezekiel. He's a prophet. He's someone who, who speaks for God. And they sit down in front of Ezekiel, and God speaks to Ezekiel, and he says, um, son of man, which is like his kind of nickname for Ezekiel, I guess. That's what he calls him in the book. Son of man, these people have set up idols in their hearts. They have set up idols in their hearts. And so it's not, they're not talking about physical statues that they were worshiping. He says they've placed another God in the place of devotion and love and allegiance in their lives. They, they've, they've metaphorically set up an idol in their hearts. Idolatry is, is a matter of your whole being. And I think that the important thing to realize is that our hearts can turn anything into an idol. Something becomes an idol when it takes the place of God in our lives. And um, I, read, uh, I read a good deal of the, of the book Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. I really recommend it. He gave me a lot of the, the ideas. As, as we thought through this sermon series, he, a lot of the ideas came from him, so I feel like I should give him some credit. But um, here's what he says. He says, um, what is an idol? It's anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. Anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. Anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. When we, uh, when we love something else more than God, it's an idol. When we obey something else more than God, it's an idol, or when we trust something else more than God, it's an idol. Um, and you find um, other examples of these in the scriptures too, other than, than, than statues. Could, there'll be a few more verses that we'll, that we'll look at. Um, the next one is in Habakkuk 1.11. He said, this is speaking of the nation of Babylon. He says, they sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God talking about uh, this, this nation was very proud of their, their military might and, and who they were, and, and really they, they said, we don't need God. Our own strength can be our God. That, so they themselves were their own idol. Um, in Colossians, um, the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. 
to be greedy, to, to love money, can easily become loving money more than God. To desire money more than God, money can become an idol. Which is really what Jesus himself talked about, too. Um, when he talked about you can't serve God and money, you can't serve two masters, you have to choose between the two, because money can take the place of God in your life. Uh, uh, so, yeah, your own strength can be your God. Money can be your God. Um, the next one is from Philippians. This is a good one, too. Um, Philippians is one of my favorite books ever since I did the internship and got to study it. And so this one's really, really fun. So it says, For as I've often told you before, now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Your own stomach can be your God. Your own appetites, your own consumption, your, your desire to have more, more, more can be a God. It can be an idol in your life. And there's lots of other examples like this from Scripture. Um, and so I think it's, it's easy to see that, that the Bible extrapolates this idea of idolatry to many things beyond physical images. An idol is something that we love or obey or trust more than God. And so as I thought, as I thought through um, those ideas, love, obeying, and trusting, I thought of other examples in, from, from my own life and what I see on campus. And um, yeah, what, what are things that we put in, in place of God in our lives? What are things that we love more than we love God? Um, the first thing I thought of with that was people. Uh, when, I, when, we start, when I hear, when we start to think, oh, I couldn't live without this person. I love them so much. That may be dangerous. I couldn't live without this person. Uh, and that's not always necessarily romantic. It could be CCF. Do you ever love the feeling of being community more than we love the God who made our community? Think about it. Um, things we love more than God. I talked about money. I think that's a, that's a, that's a definite one that it starts to grab our affection in our hearts. I want that more. Greed is, greed is idolatry. What about things we, we serve and obey more than we serve and obey God? Um, first thing that came to my mind instantly was, what about political parties? Do, do, you, do we ever find ourselves falling in line with a political party and agreeing with all their ideas because that's my party? That's the one I align with. Or do we always, every time, take what our, the political party is saying and filter it through Scripture and ask the Lord, is this what you think about it, Lord? Or do we just serve and obey our, a political party, whichever one it might be, and say, I'm going to serve that more than I serve God. It, it becomes a God in my life. Or what about yourself? Um, when you fill, what, how would you fill in the blank of this sentence? I thought for myself, the only one who has the right to tell me what to do with my life is, is it me or is it God? Who do I serve and obey the most? Or what do we trust more than God at times? Uh, I thought of my own life. I think uh, there have been times that I think I, I, I thought about physical attractiveness can be a God, has been a God in my life. That, if I, that I, I think trust, do we ever trust that if I was just more attractive, then I would be happier? that I would be satisfied, that, that, would, that, that if I could just work towards that, then I, I could trust that to make my life better. That would satisfy me. 
Or the other one that came to my mind, things I trust, knowledge. If you ever find yourself thinking that education could solve the world's problems, that if we could just lead people out of ignorance, everything would be better. It would just be guaranteed. Do I trust knowledge more than I trust God? I think that's easy to do at a university. And the reality is, we all worship idols. We all worship idols. Every one of us, myself included, we all worship things other than God. So my call tonight from the Lord is not to come here and to find out, okay, which people in the room are worshiping idols and how do I get them to stop? Because we're all doing it. We're all doing it in our life. I don't have to identify the idol worshipers in the room because we are all idol worshipers. It's part of being human uh, with sin in the world. So tonight I'm here not to identify the idol worshipers, but instead to call us to let go of our idols because they are worthless. Tonight, I want to call us to let go of our idols because they are worthless. So the, the question that, that came to my mind as I thought about why, why is no other gods, why is no idols the first commandment? Why is that so important to God? Why is God so radically against idolatry? Why? There's a passage in the book of Isaiah that um, I've loved. I've, I've read it years ago, and it just is, it's really good poetry. That's part of why I like it. It's really good images. But it also, I think, holds the key to why God is so against idols. So it's, it's seven verses, a little long, but I'm gonna, we're going to read it and, and think it over a little bit. So Isaiah 46, 1 to 7. So it starts by talking about Bel and Nebo, which are, which are idols. They're, they're Babylonian idols in the Old Testament. So it says, Bel and Nebo, the gods of Babylon, bow as they are lowered to the ground. They're being hauled away on ox carts, and the poor beasts stagger under the weight. So this image of these giant statues being hauled away. Both the idols and their owners are bowed down. The gods cannot protect the people, and the people cannot protect the gods. They all go off into captivity together. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob. So God starts talking to his people. All you who remain in Israel... I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire a craftsman to make a God from it. Then they bow down and worship it. They carry it around on their shoulders, and when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there is no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. There's a lot in the passage, but there's, there's two important images I want to I point out. First, there's that image. There's these giant statues being loaded on these ox carts, and the oxen, which are really strong, are struggling, struggling to pull them. They're so heavy. And God says, that's what it's like when you serve other gods who don't love you, who didn't create you, who didn't save you. You don't have to carry me around. I, he says, I carried you from before you were born. I sustained you. Idols are an impossible burden. Our counterfeit gods ultimately enslave us. And God is radically against idols 
because of his love for people. No other God can carry you except the God who made you. The God who loved you, the God who gave his life for you. God says, if you worship anything else, if you put anything else in his place, it will become an impossible burden for you. And I think that's why he, again, before he talks about not having any other gods, he says, I rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You have been rescued from slavery, he says. Don't put another God before him because it will put you right back into slavery again. It is a crushing weight. Um, I, I thought about that. I'm, I'm, I'm just I pulled a couple of examples from things I said already, but that, that idol of physical attractiveness, the need to be attractive, can become an impossible burden if you make it your God. Um, you, you will never be satisfied. You always have to do more and more and more. You will always be wondering if you are good enough, if people would like you more, if you look different. It is a crushing weight when you make that, this is my goal in life. This is, this is the, the, the thing that will drive me. And God says, I want to bring you out of that slavery and into a place where you have no other gods before him because that's freedom. So God is against idols because they are burdensome. And then at the end, in verse 7, he says, and it can't rescue anyone from trouble. Our, our counterfeit gods can't deliver what they promise. God is against idols because he wants us to be rescued. An idol is a lie. An idol promises to save you, but it can't. Um, I see this in, in my life. I've seen this with um, entertainment. I wonder how many of you have experienced what I've experienced, that I feel like if I just had a little more time, like, oh, I really want to watch that one show, I just don't have time, or I just want to play this game on my phone, then I would feel rested, and then I would feel happy, but I'm so busy. And so I elbow out time to rest, and then that's what I spend my time doing, some, some entertainment, digital entertainment of some kind. And then I find I don't feel rested or refreshed or happy at the end of that time. And I look to these devices. I don't have my phone. It's over there. I look to these to rescue me from the tiredness of a busy life, but it never satisfies me. It actually has taken me a long time to recognize that. I always thought it was like other people's problem, like young people's problem, you know? <laughs> because I'm too old to live in the residence halls. <laughs> but it's actually not. It's a, it's a problem for a lot of people. It's a problem for me too. And only God can save me from exhaustion and give me rest. I can't, I can't look to something else to do that for me. I have to learn to put no other gods before him. Uh, one of my best friends is named Jeff, and he and his wife Emily, are, they're CCF alumni from Western, they uh, heard God's call a couple years ago to give a year and pray about a lifetime overseas. I wasn't here last week, so you thought maybe I didn't know that phrase, but I do. Um, so they're serving in Nepal right now, serving Jesus there. And last month they, were, they wrote us about some of the troubles they're having. There's, um, there's this cult, that's like some of the people that, that they're working with. Um, they, they're not supposed to like have pictures up because it's a country where it can be like tricky to be a missionary. So... Um, the, the, there's, they, they wrote about this trouble they're having. There's a there cults that's going around in their area where they live. And there's the teachers going around telling people there's, how did Jeff say it? He said, they, they teach that there's secret power in saying the name of Jesus and praying in tongues, and anybody can get healed if they come to this special teacher and get prayed for. 
And the bonus part is, this is what Jeff says, the bonus part is you don't have to change anything about your life or follow Jesus seriously or anything. It's a false gospel and it's spreading faster than the true gospel in the area where they work. And why? It's not because there's a problem with Nepal. It's because there's a problem with humanity. This is exactly what we do. This is exactly what everybody does. We choose false gospels. We choose false gods because they sometimes feel like they're going to be easier or they look like they're going to ask less of us. Uh, But in the end, they can't rescue you from your trouble. Every one of those people that Jeff and Emily are interacting with who have gone to these meetings and and heard this teaching and believed it, they're going to end up really bitterly disappointed because it's not true. It's not just magic like that. And it's, it's, it's just not true, and it's not going to rescue them from their trouble. And so that's why Jeff and Emily are there trying to help people say, put no other gods before Jesus. If you do that, that's where you'll actually find life. And God is passionately against idols because he wants to save us from that experience. Idols are burdensome, and idols can't save us. And so the, the rest of this quarter, what we're going to be doing is looking at specific idols that we see in our own life on campus and in our own culture and say, how is Jesus better than these things? The message and the work of Christ is to rescue us from our idols. Um, I want to do two, two more things up here. One, I want to talk a little bit about how do you get rid of an idol if you find it in your life. And then I want to talk about how we figure out what the idols are in our own lives, too. Um, how to get rid of an idol, I find, is kind of a tricky question. Uh, because the thing that makes it tricky is most of our idols are good things. Um, you can't just say, you know, my parents are an idol in my life. And so I'm done with them, cutting them off. Because God calls you to honor your parents. You can't just say, knowledge is an idol in my life, so I dropped all my classes. Because Jonathan told me. You can't say CCF is an idol in my life. I'm not coming back next week, okay? (laughs) The problem isn't that we have parents or education or CCF. It's just that sometimes we've made, we've taken these good things and we made them the ultimate thing in in our lives. Can't turn good things into ultimate things. We've replaced God's rightful place with good things. We value them too highly. We love them. We trust them. We obey them more than we do God. And so, in my experience, to get rid of an idol doesn't just mean cutting, that, cutting a good thing out of your life. Idols have to be replaced, not just removed. We tear down idols by dethroning them from the center of our lives and placing Christ there instead. You can't just get rid of a thing. You have to put Christ in its place. And when we look at his life, when we look at the life of Jesus— we see, we really do see the one and only person who never worshipped an idol. He is the only one who never loved anything more than he loved his father. He never obeyed anyone more than he obeyed his father. He never trusted anyone more than he trusted his father. Never. And we see that throughout his life, but we see it, I think, most clearly in his dying and his rising again for us. He asked his father, is there any other way to save people? And when the answer was no, he obeyed, he trusted, he loved enough. And we're here today because he didn't bow down to other idols, to, to, to an easier way, to a way that would give him more power, uh, to, to being popular. He didn't bow down to any of that. 
He only submitted himself to his father, and he died and rose again because he refused to let anything else be first in his life. And that's why we're here. And so he sets the example for us, but more than that, he enables us to live that out. By trusting him, by putting him at the center of our lives, then the idols fall away. And he is better. He is better. He is better than whatever else we might be putting in his place. And so what I want to do, so we're going to talk about specific idols in the rest of this, you know, for the rest of this quarter, and different ones of us will speak. Um, but I also thought, you know, what might be helpful is sometimes I think, you know, we're saying we all have idols, we all worship idols, um, but what, which ones are, are, are you specifically worshiping? What are the things in your life that, that you think, oh, that actually is, I think, what has taken the place, the central place in my life? How do we discern our idols? How do I know what I'm loving and obeying and trusting more than God? And so I, what I want to do is just lead us in a little exercise together. Well, it'll, you'll kind of do it on your own, but at the same time as everyone else. Um, so you're going to need something to write with. Um, and then you can use, if you have a journal you brought, that's great. Or you can use the back of the, the white sheets on your chairs. Um, if you don't have something to write with, then ask around. Probably someone else does. Um, do your best to share. Um, so what I'm going to do, give you a second to gather your pens. What I'm going to do is ask us a few questions, and these are just for your own reflection. Um, and it's, some, it's just what I hope is out of this time is you might identify something that the Lord might bring it to the surface and say, that's what I want to deal with in your life this quarter. That's what I want to deal with in your life for the next few weeks. So I'm going to ask you some questions. And the idea is that you just write down everything that comes to your mind when, with, with these questions, okay? And so, don't freak out as you start writing, okay? It doesn't mean just because you write it down that it's an idol, in your life, okay? But I don't want you to overthink, like, is this an idol or isn't it? I just want you to write them all down, whatever comes to your mind. And um, I'm, I'm just simply hoping that it'll get your mind going and that at some point as you're writing, something will, the Lord will just say to you in your own heart, that's it. Of all the things you're writing down, that's the one. That's the one I want to deal with in your life. You've been putting that before me, and I, and, and I want to rescue you from that, Okay. So it's just going to be different questions, and you just, just list whatever comes to your mind as I ask them, okay? And I'll give you about a minute um, to, for each one, okay? And I purposely didn't think these through too much for my own life yet, so I'm going to do it with you. Um, so that, because we all worship idols, myself included. So, okay, so here's my first, here's the first one. What do you daydream about? What do you think about when your mind is free to wander? And again, don't freak out just because you daydream about it doesn't mean it's an idol necessarily, but there could be something in there. So what do you daydream about and give you a minute to just jot some ideas down? I won't share my answers to all of them because I imagine I'll come up with some really personal stuff, too personal for 200 people, but, um, but probably I'll share them with one or two people. Um, but this one I'll share because I daydream about Discover the Nations. It's definitely the first thing that came to my mind, um, which is a conference that I'm running next weekend. And um, 
But actually, I was like, oh, actually, I need to think about that because I think it's possible that doing God's work could be more important to me than God himself at times. So I need to think about that. So food for thought. Okay, next question. Where do you spend most of your money? Again, not everything you spend money on is an idol, but it might reveal something to you about your priorities in your life. Where do you spend most of your money? In, in Tim Keller's book, he said, uh, your money flows freely to your heart's greatest love. Thought, oh, that's good. Think about that. Okay, next question. What do you wish people said you were like? Do you wish people said you were really smart or really attractive? Or what, what, what do you wish people said about you? Remember, too, that the, the goal here is not that you'd feel guilty that you have an idol, because we all do. The goal is that you would see, oh, God wants to free me from that. If that's too important in my life, God wants to free me from that. Uh, Next question. Is there any disappointment in your life that's really hard for you to move forward from? Any disappointment in your life that's really hard for you to move forward from? You feel stuck. Okay, and this is the last one. What makes you most afraid? Is there anything you're afraid of losing? Or, yeah, they feel like you, can, you can't live without that. It would really scare you. What makes you afraid? Worship team, you guys can come back up. That'd be great. Um, what I hope that you'll do is take the things you wrote down and... Just to reiterate, not all of them are bad idols that need to be torn down in your life, but there may be something in there that you said, I think this is more important to me than it should be. I think that this has, has taken the place of God in the center of my life. Um, and I want you to, 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 to just take your list before the Lord. And the first song that um, the worship team is going to sing is, um, it's a song that Michelle sang, I think last year. Um, and it's been like stuck in my head ever since. Um, and it was, it's and in a very helpful way. Uh, there's like certain lines for a song that will come to my mind and, and it just makes me reflect well. It's called Clear the Stage. And um, I like this song because it uses really extreme language. And I think that that is intentional because it's forcing you to ask yourself hard questions. And to be honest with yourself, um, the first line is clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze. If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. And I love the image, especially when it's like when we're singing it here with a stage. But um, what it forces you throughout the song, it forces you to ask, if this, if this is what it took to put God first in my life, would I do it? Do, do I believe that God is worth it? Do I believe that Jesus is better than the things that I've let come into the center of my life? And it allows you to, to ask, to let God ask you that question. Would you do this for me if I asked you? Do you trust me enough to do that for me? 
And so it, this isn't a song you necessarily have to sing along to. It might be more helpful for you to just listen and reflect, to take your list, to set your list before the Lord and say, is there anything here, Lord, that you want me to think about, that you want me to talk to, to my Korfa about or my peer team leader about? Um, anything that, that I'm putting before you in my life? Um, so yeah, they're going to they're gonna sing that and then uh, lead us with the rest of our evening. But let me, let me pray to, to go into that. Lord, um, I want to see you lifted to your rightful place in our lives. I want, um, I, want us to, I want everyone in this room to be freed from the slavery of other gods, uh, the, things, the things that burden us that we are carrying uh, because we've made them too important in our lives. Um, we pray, Lord, that tonight you would, re- that you would tell us the truth, that, that you would tell us what is real, that you would reveal your goodness to us, that you would take your rightful place as king. Um, and so we, we come to you and we want to hear what you have to say. Um, so would you speak to us, Lord, uh, th- uh, th- as, as we sing, as we listen, as we, as we bring our list before you speak to us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.